0: Hi there, I'm Jim. I'm Jen. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me today is Jen Bethman. She is Web Accessibility Coordinator here at Illinois State University, a new position that's been brought on board. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Today we're kind of going to we're going to focus on how we as uh, instructors can help our students who who have needs or, or or just in general have a better experience when they're dealing with assets and, and, and stuff online. So tell me a little bit about what are some of the challenges that you've found that students have when they're using stuff online?
1: A lot of the times when people look at web accessibility, we are focused on individuals with disabilities, whether it's auditory, visual, motor, uh, or cognitive. But a lot of the things with our department, we're actually also looking for the full user experience mm-hmm. and making sure that the online environment is inclusive and doesn't have barriers. So not locking anybody out of information and functionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're looking at in tor- terms of a better experience as a user is some logical order in how things are put together. If you're putting your syllabus at the top um, for a teaching, being able to order your classroom modules mm-hmm. by weeks and if you're mm-hmm. ordering them by weeks make sure they are in their weeks week one week two week three mm-hmm. instead of jumping from week one to week six or whenever they get
0: made you're talking about when when you would put them in like reggie net our, our learning management system or or whatever mm-hmm. just having that logical order not having it so people have to do extraordinary things to, f- to hunt down that information
1: absolutely and that's going to help all your users not yeah. just um anybody yeah. who's looking for um anyone with all types of abilities.
0: And so you mentioned your department. You're with, uh, technically, with uh, Web and Interactive Communications, Correct. which is part of the Office of Academic Technology, which deals with technology for learning uh, here on campus. But of course, um, w- w- your office actually branches out and covers a-, a lot of different things. And you are also kind of consulting a little bit as we look at improving accessibility in ReggieNet, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, with my title, it's like Web Accessibility Coordinator just about everything in our world now is going online. Yeah. Uh, Brochures, you're talking websites, we're talking documents, we're talking PDFs, PowerPoints. Uh Anything that can be put online, I kind of have an eye on, or at least trying to have an eye on.
0: Right, right. And, of course, you come from a background where, as you were a graduate assistant here at ISU, you worked with another department on campus, right?
1: Yes, I worked with Student Access and Accommodation Services, formerly known as Disability Concerns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I worked with the Text Conversion Lab, Sarah Mativier. I was uh, her grad assistant, and my focus was actually on video captioning. Mm-hmm. I would caption videos for students who needed the accommodation, who had were deaf or hard of hearing, mm-hmm. and so it's a bit of a baby of mine of reminding people that to add their transcripts, um, send them to university marketing. Um, and allow them to add that to our YouTube channel. Anytime you have a video for a class, it would be really good to add a transcript and you can always contact me. Um, I'm, I have some tips and tricks on how to do that as well. And,
0: and we'll link your contact information to the show page for today's episode.
1: Correct. Thank you so much. Um, what I'm, I'm open as a resource. Uh I would like to be a resource for faculty, staff, students who have an, I, who would like to have their, content be as accessible as possible. Uh Uh, Video captions can be really tricky because everyone's like, I have an hour long classroom. And how do I get this transcribed where I don't have to transcribe it myself? There are dictation softwares out there I can point to in the right direction that will get you most of the way. Adding some of your own punctuation will be on you and double-checking that maybe grounded theory isn't replaced by grandeur theory. Mm-hmm. So making sure all your your language is in the correct place.
0: So let's take a step back and talk a little bit more about the student experience. Maybe I'm not teaching an online course this year, but of course I am going to have some assets online. Like you said, everything is online. Um, Maybe I'm not producing videos uh, myself, but I may link to a video or something on YouTube. What are some things as an instructor that I'm looking for, or I should be looking for, even if I don't have a student that semester who's gone to student accommodations and and, and gotten the uh, card or, Mm -hmm. or the electronic version of it now, I think they use. Even if I don't have a student who's in that situation, what are some of the things that, that I uh, every day as I'm preparing to teach in the fall?
1: One of the main um, things, if you're using YouTube in particular, uh-huh. um, if you add your subject when you're doing a search and mm-hmm. add comma CC, mm-hmm. everything that pops up should be um, closed captioned already mm-hmm. and should be a personally provided transcript or closed captioning. Uh, not auto generated uh-huh. because the auto generated for YouTube, they're getting better, uh-huh. but it's still not something you can trust. Right to provide the correct information for your student.
0: Right. So what we and so for example here at CTLT when we're producing videos and we put them on YouTube, we may rely on the auto generation uh, closed captioning to do the first round, to take a first pass, and then we that's we at least have something to go in and edit. And sometimes the editing is rather significant, mm-hmm. but we go through and try to uh, try to do that.
1: Yes, I did um, the same thing at Student Access and Accommodation yeah. Services when yeah. we just needed to download and go. Right. Okay, we can fix things, add some periods. Uh-huh. It's it takes. Most of the hard work away where you're able to devote some other time to other aspects of your class. Mm -hmm. But if you want to start off kind of searching for your next subject, um, if you're looking for something that's um, relevant, like Mm -hmm. that happened the day before and information gets out there, if you do the comma CC in YouTube, Mm -hmm. that usually will pop up with a, a more uh, robust information for you that is already closed captioned. Okay,
0: and what about documents that I'm putting online? What do I need to do with that?
1: Documents if you start off in Word, Google Docs, any of these types of things If you look up at your editor at the top of the page and you see either the drop-down or the button that says header Using headers is really important because that's actually the basis of the the program telling other entities such as a screen reader. Um, Mm -hmm. For people with low vision, they will use uh, typically a screen reader or there's also text-to-speech software out there that can read documents. Mm -hmm. Uh, If the headers are there, it's able to be a lot easier to be searchable, Mm -hmm. not even just for people with disabilities, but for the whole world. Your your page is going to be able to have a lot easier to search because people look at headings first. Mm -hmm. Um, So using headings instead of raising and lowering the font on your own Mm -hmm. Use the heading settings. Mm -hmm. Um, Also using bullets and numbers. So instead of adding your own numbers, use the programmed bullets and numbering. This in a screen reader will tell you there is a bulleted list of five items and Mm -hmm. the items are A, B, C, D, and E. And... It's able for a person who is using a screen reader is able to navigate your page a lot easier. Um, it also helps for organization for an able body student who is looking at your document. It helps you organize and mm-hmm. it'll keep yeah. a lot of information and all users are going to benefit from it.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned a screen reader, and I know that um, there are a couple of different ones out there that students might use, including JAWS, I think, is probably mm-hmm. the, the most common one. And when we had a conversation last week, because I assumed students used it one way, but they actually tend to, especially on web pages, they tend to search through links and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit more about how um, someone with low vision is, is using a screen reader and how that may be different than how someone with who, who's, who's full-sighted may be, may be reading a page?
1: If we are, if someone who is full sighted is looking at a page, you're able to make judgments. You can look at a picture, you can look at a heading and determine whether the information is necessary. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at a web page, you're not necessarily going to be reading the entire word page from the first word all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure at this point a lot of people, you kind of do a skim. A uh, person with low vision or who is bl- fully blind doesn't have that ability. They are restricted by the computer controls. Uh, what screen readers allow them to do, though, is they can have their own keyboard control to bring up a list of the heading. So you have, say, a CTLT web page or a classroom page, and you have your lecture notes, you have syllabus and all this the information. They can pull up a heading, and if you use the heading functions it's going to say heading one, syllabus information. And then they can choose whether or not I need to read more about the syllabus information and then they can scroll down through. Mm -hmm. Same thing with links or hyperlinks. Um, If you're going to another document or to another web page, having very descriptive link language is very important because the use of click here is not uh, very helpful in terms of telling people where the target is going. Mm We're in this world of we're using smartphones and tablets. Even now, the language is changing to select, Mm -hmm. view, because not everybody's using a mouse.
0: So not everyone is clicking, in other words. Correct.
1: Yeah. Clicking is kind of the old way, and it's a language language barrier. It's very mouse-centric. Mm-hmm. Instead of somebody might be using a keyboard, somebody might be using a tablet, a smartphone, and they're touching. So, but not everybody's touching. So mm-hmm. the word select or the word view might be a better use of than the word click. And instead of linking the word here, you might say, I need to go to this form. And then I have a form for the test. Mm-hmm. Have the link be, instead of click here and the, the link being here for the test, you say, the... Chapter one point one test is the link, and uh-huh. using very active language. So you may
0: say, "View the chapter," uh, mm-hmm. the, or the "View the study guide." And then study the study guide and, would be the hyperlink.
1: And study guides the hyperlink, but make sure it says "study guide" for what. I see. Um, what ends up happening is a person or a person using a screen reader can bring up a list of links, and you might have fifty four links. Forty nine of them could be here, mm-hmm. could be study guide. Mm-hmm. So making sure there's a descriptive link of telling you where they're supposed to go. So as they're able to skim through the link, they're like, yep, I need to go there. Nope, I don't need to go there.
0: It's a little against what I'm used to from my background in broadcast journalism and stuff where we don't like to repeat words. But here we want to be a little bit more explicit. Mm -hmm. And even if we have a heading that says chapter one, you would still have down below.
1: I would say chapter one study guide.
0: View this chapter one study guide. Mm -hmm.
1: And have chapter one study guide be your link.
0: So it's just, I think for a lot of us... Who, who do a lot on the web all the time, but even for, for instructors who maybe only update their website once in a while, um, it's just a matter of building a new habit.
1: Yes. It's, it's being more proactive yeah. in terms of the idea and using for best practice. And the best practice is actually going to give everybody a, a, a cleaner experience because uh-huh. even if you have somebody saying Chapter 1 Study Guide – and, and as an able-bodied person, I know myself as a student would have really loved to have that sometimes because then you can't remember where you clicked, or right. you, you're halfway through the page, but then your chapter heading was up and hidden up right. higher in the screen. You kind of then know where you are on the page, mm-hmm. and it gives them another indication.
0: That's great. By the way, um, so I, and I don't want to get too deep into the into the technological weeds <laughs> today. First of all, it's an audio podcast, so there's <laughs> we can't show people how to how to do some of this stuff, but. Um, some of the, uh, just challenging some of the other old habits that I know I have from building websites from way back when, um, I'm guessing it's probably not necessary or even desirable to have links open up in a new window now. You just want to go from one to another. Or is there not, is that not a, an accessibility issue necessarily?
1: And that in, in case is not necessarily an accessibility issue. There okay. are keyboard commands that are able to send you back into certain areas. Uh-huh. Um, being consistent is more of the accessibility issue. I see. If you're going to have something open in a new window, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say this is probably best practice on top of things that I have been researching. Consistency is very important. Uh. Um, If you're going to have it open in a new window, have everything open in a new window. That way, an individual is able to uh, expect that to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are setting up classroom styles for your modules, there it is, your classroom Mm -hmm. module, have the module be set up the same way Mm -hmm. every day. So that Mm -hmm. way you, a person knows that your introduction is always going to be at the top under the first heading. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to go into the lessons of the point. Uh, There might be a video and that's, if if you can set it up in a consistent manner, Mm -hmm. people who are navigating through your module will have a lot easier way of whether you're able-bodied blind, have a cognitive disability, you're able to kind of follow along. um, Mm -hmm. And, anticipate what's coming
0: so one final question um, as we kind of wrap things up here I work with a lot of faculty members who still who are love still with Google Docs and and rightfully so I guess Uh, I never really used Google Docs that much we of course as a campus are kind of moving towards Microsoft and Office 365 what are some things that I need to be aware of using either of those platforms or something similar? Um, if I'm doing a collaboration online or, or, or whatever, is there anything that you've encountered from an accessibility standpoint that's particularly a problem to avoid or that's particularly helpful?
1: Um, going back to how you set up your Google Doc, how you set up your Word document. Uh-huh. Um, I know with Office 365, you're able to share documents um, through the SharePoint. Mm-hmm. I believe it's called SharePoint. Yeah, uh, or or
0: um, uh, OneDrive. OneDrive. OneDrive, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking at that type of thing, it's making sure you set up it you're formatting for an accessible document. Right. That's really important in this area. As we're looking through the functionality, I can tell you at this moment, um, being able to share is a great asset. Mm-hmm. But make sure you have set everything up um, in your documents mm-hmm. where people are able to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're setting up folders.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually.
1: As we're getting through, setting up folders, make sure your folders aren't listed as new folder one, new folder two, new folder <laughs> three. Um, having very descriptive folder titles as well is uh-huh. helpful. Um, and again, as we talk about the in logical order, in logical place, most of the time they're going to be alphabetical. Mm-hmm. Um my suggestion to that is making sure that if you have a one class and then all your documents or folders go into that class folder and that way if you're sharing that folder with another person they're able to logically understand where the folders are going
0: jen thank you so much well
1: thank you for having me
0: And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about our podcast, including some of the stuff that Jen and I talked about today, on our website. Go to ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. You can also find us on iTunes. For Jen and for all of my colleagues here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, until we talk again, happy teaching.